0: Hey, it is so great to be here, wow, what a, what a wonderful day, huh? <laughs> Wow! 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 Well, I, I yeah, I try to start out in a warm way, okay? Uh, where do snowmen put their money? In the snow bank. <laughs> what do you get when you cross a snowman and a shark? Frostbite. Yeah. <laughs> what do you call a factory that only produces okay products? satisfactory. All right, and this is for Pastor Jamie. What's the difference between the Green Bay Packers and a dollar bill? You can always get four quarters out of a dollar bill. <laughs> oh. This morning, uh, This morning, I'd like us to refer to some scriptures that are really exciting. It's in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 32. Uh, I I believe for sure that if we can understand the kingdom things this text is talking about, if we can take and put them into practice, that they will radically shift the course of our lives and change our destiny. Now, a bit of FYI as we start out for your information, the original Greek text, when you get down to the the manuscripts or copies of those manuscripts, what you'll notice is there are no chapters or verse markings, those those are put in later on, okay, they're not inspired but they're helpful, Uh, no paragraph markings, as a matter of fact, if you... Find a copy of them, or if you've seen them, or you can check online and see them. What you discover, they did not even, in order to save, paper was very expensive. In order to save space, they actually have no space between the words. Constant letters, yeah. And, and, you know, and even if you know the languages, you've got to stare at it a little while before the words begin to pop out at you. Now, as a result, the paragraph markings that we use uh, that are helpful in our scriptures for reading and just studying they're not, you know, they, they, some of the, if you check translations, they differ. An awful lot of the translations will start the paragraph at verse 28. Um, you know, and God works all things for good to those who love and those called according to His purpose. But the, the New American Standard Bible, as well as the Greek text that I use, do not start the paragraph there. They start the paragraph at verse 26. And I believe that really is the correct place for the paragraph to start because verses 26 and 27 are powerful information that are very much connected to the meaning of the rest. Okay, Uh, let let me start by putting that on the board, reading it to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for our words. And he who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. you got, You got to hear this. The Holy Spirit is praying prayers for us, for you and for me searches our hearts, and he offers prayers for us that we don't even understand the words. Have you ever had one of those experiences? <laughs> I like to call them near-death experiences, where you're you you know it, uh, you're driving in an automobile, and you're near an accident, and you thought you were going to have a bad crash, but instead of it, you came through without a scratch on your car or your body, okay? <laughs> you know, and you... How many have ever had that happen where you just said, ah, wow. Yeah, that's a third of the crowd at least. You you say, how do you explain it? You explain it right here. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for our words and our understanding. I actually, I'm older than most of you in the room, and uh, I actually have had five of those things happen to me in my lifetime where I was sure I was going to die, and in God's grace, I came through it and was delivered without a scratch. One of the most dramatic was years ago when I was a missionary in the Philippine Islands. I was living in Manila, working with university students. Uh, I was living in a community, a gated community, called Phelan Village. This was like a suburb in Minneapolis. There was a park in the middle and a development with a basketball court and a soccer field. One Sunday, I just walked down to the park and I was watching a pickup basketball game that uh, several young Filipino adult males were, were playing. And uh, they were playing the game, and suddenly the ball just it went off the court, and it rolled down a hill into a grass area, and, and, uh, and everybody looked at it for a moment, and there was a Thailand student. You could see he was a Thailand student from Thailand, and, and he ran down and grabbed a hold of the ball. Well, five of the young men playing in the game, five of them from one team, must have been their ball, and I think they had been drinking Because they ran down after the ball as well, and they grabbed a hold of the ball, grabbed it from the Thailand student, they shoved him to the ground, and they began to kick and beat on him. Uh, The attack was so violent, I thought they were going to kill him. So, I got up, uh, you know, I jumped up, and uh, I ran over to where they were, and uh, I yelled out in a voice as loud as I could, stop it! And it must have shocked them because they suddenly stopped beating on the Thai student. He jumped up and ran away. And now those five Filipino young men surrounded me. Now, most American men are larger than than Filipino men. And I was getting ready for a fight. And suddenly I heard, bang! Didn't get you to jump. (laughs) A gunshot went off right in my ear. I whipped around and I found myself looking down the barrel of a smoking 45 caliber automatic pistol, and the guy who was holding it was shaking it, and he said, "Do you want me to shoot you again, Joe?" Oh, uh, well, but um, Filipinos call all American males Joe. It, it, so it's a throwback to World War II, the GI Joe. I quickly said, no, please, don't shoot again, and I'm backing out, and I backed all the way across the park out, and when I hit the street, I just bolted out of there as fast as I could go, but I ask you, how did, how did they miss me, that gun missed me at point blank range? It's right here. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for our words. For our words. Whew. Let me go to verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, a lot of the modern translations will say God works all things together for good. But that sounds a little like, oh, it th- stuff happens. And it's way stronger than that. And it really is saying God takes all things and causes them. It, it, there's a purpose involved here. There's something, God's hand's way more involved than any of us would ever suspect. Uh, he, he's working very hard to bring about good, and, and I don't want to lose that understanding as we head into this passage, because God is involved in your life in in, in marvelous and wonderful ways, and many times we don't even recognize it. Um, and uh, part of our job, I think, is is too. Now, verse 29, Romans 8:29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brother and sisters. Don't miss this. See, God the Father looks at Jesus Christ the Son, born into the human race, and he says, Son, I love you so much. I love so much what you do, and I love so much of what you're becoming. I want a whole more just like you. Sometimes we ask God's will for our lives. It's right here. The highest will for our lives is that we would become like Jesus. That we would become like Jesus. You are getting this, I hope. Jesus becomes one of us so that we can become one both with him and like him. Now verse 30. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. I I, I believe right here we have three stages of the Christian life the called stage, the justified stage, and the glorified stage. And, And the truth is, it's easy to get stuck in one of the stages and not move on to maturity in the others. Let's put the called stage first. The called stage. The call stage starts when people realize that they have been called to be part of God's family. Uh, Most of us sitting here, maybe all of us could identify with, okay, I recognize that God was tapping me on the shoulder. And uh, yeah, it wasn't too long I came to faith. Most of us, this stage begins, you know, when we realize we are sinners and we need a Savior. Now, a lot of people get caught here, though. My parents, uh, they were part of a church when I was born. I was baptized as a baby. It was a a liturgical style of church. And uh, I went through confirmation. Uh, I went, you know, answered all the questions. But if you would have asked me, even after I'd gone through confirmation, if you had asked me, Doyle, are you sure are you, you're sure are you? sure your sins are forgiven? And I would have said, I hope so. I sure hope so. If you had asked me, Am I, hey, Doyle, are you going to heaven when you die? And I would have said, I, I sure hope so. There were three boys in our family. Two of us became pastors, both my younger brother and I. Yet when my parents died, if you had asked them, are you going to heaven, they still would have answered, we sure hope so. Now, I have no doubt, I have full faith that my dad and my mom are in heaven and that I will see them again. But they lived their whole lives in this called stage. I, I, I believe they were saved, like I said, but, but they didn't get to enjoy the fact that Jesus Christ held them in his hand. And he would not let go of them. Look at it with me. John's Gospel, chapter 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. This is Jesus speaking. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus Christ holds us in his hand. Holds us in his hand. And nothing, nothing is able to take us out. As a matter of fact, you can't even wiggle out. You're in his hand, and too bad, so sad, but you're going to stay there. Not that anyone really would want to get out. I, I remember when I, I, I moved to Cal, sorry, when I was 20, I grew up in Iowa, farm in Iowa. You know, what do you got to have? Some of you have heard this. What do you have to ha- have if you go to Iowa? Enough money to get out, yeah. <laughs> or the greatest thing to come out of Iowa 35W. <laughs> I grew up on a farm in Iowa, and I preached a couple weeks ago, so I, I, you know, it was a pig farm. But uh, I, when I was 20 years old, I moved to California, Los Angeles, California, and, and I found myself one day when I was 23 years later. Le- Three years later, I found myself at 23 sitting in a Baptist church. And the preacher said, if you have never, if you're sitting here and you have never invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you haven't opened the door of your heart and invited him in, there's a good chance he's not there. And I went, whoa. (laughs) I kind of woke up. And then he referred to Revelation. I'll show it to you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, this is Jesus. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and will dine with him and he with me. The word dine with, the most intimate fellowship you could have in the first century in a Jewish community was table fellowship. This refers to fellowship on the deepest level. I I will have this communion, I'll have this relationship, this fellowship with them and and them with me. Um. Then the preacher just said, you you know, truth is, if you can hear the knock at the door of your life, you need to open the door and let Jesus come in. And, you know, by the way, if he's already there, he won't leave. So don't try to, you know, worry about it. And so he said, but if, you know, if you need to, you you know, maybe you want to go home and pray that prayer tonight. And I heard that and I went home and I knelt by my bed and I said, Jesus, I surely hear you knocking at the door of my life. I open the door of my life to you, invite you to come in, Lord Jesus. I received the forgiveness of all my sins, which you paid for on the cross, and I received the gift of heaven, of eternal life, which you affirmed by your resurrection from the dead. And then, by the way, Jesus, if, you're already, if you already happen to be in my heart, don't leave. And <laughs> that day, I know. I know. Uh, I move from the faith stage to the justified stage, which is the second stage. The justified stage. Now, in this stage, you know the salvation experience has come. You know to the full realization that Jesus Christ died for and is the atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two verse twenty four. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross or on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Sin and all of its consequences, sin and all of its implications, sickness and brokenness and pain, it was carried by Jesus. He took it all in his body on the tree, he paid the penalty for all sin and all of its implications. Uh, once in a while, I used to make this statement. Oh, wait, let me go to the next text first. <laughs> I go over a few pages if you have a Bible with you or just listen carefully. 1 John chapter 1, 1 and 2. 1 John chapter 1, 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate, that's a defense attorney, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And the statement I used to make once in a while is that the truth is, If Adolf Hitler had repented before he died, all of his sins would have been covered. Because the sins of the whole world, Jesus took it in his body. And all the implications of it, totally satisfied. Totally satisfied. These two old golf these the I'm sorry these two old guys were at, at this golf club and uh, they were hanging around the clubhouse and they met and one guy said well you know what he said, I've always wanted to play this game of golf I've never had anyone to teach me and the other said oh I've played golf all my life and I've taught a lot of people to play only problem with me now is that my eyesight has gotten so bad that when I hit a, hit the ball I can't see where it goes you know what? He said, we could play together. I could teach you to play golf, and you could follow my ball when I hit it so we can find it. Well, they went out and hit a few buckets of balls, and then they were ready for the links. And uh, the new golfer went first, and he had a really good shot right down the middle, and um, the good golfer got up, and he whacked a ball, slammed it really good, and it went flying, and it wasn't long before, it you know, he couldn't see it anymore. And when he came off the green, he said, man, he said, his friend, he said, do you see it? Go, oh, yeah, he said, you just really hit a good shot. So they got their bags, got all ready to go, and the good golfer said to the other guy, where'd my ball go? And the other guy said, I don't remember. Did you know something that God's a lot like that old pro golfer? You confess your sins, and if you come back and say, "Oh God, I'm so sorry, I did that sin again, and God says, "Oh, my record show that was the first time." I want to show you something. First Corinthians 13:5. This is the love chapter. Perfect love does not keep an account of a wrong suffered. Forgiven, and it's gone. Oliver Cromwell. Cromwell was a general during the English Civil War in the 17th century. Um, after the war, Crom- Cromwell led the British Isles as Lord Protector until his death in 1658. During the Civil War, a young officer under Cromwell had deserted his post in the heat of battle, and Cromwell (coughs) decreed that this young man would be executed at the ringing of curfew. The young man's fiancée came to Cromwell, and, and she pleaded for his life, the young man's life, but Cromwell remained unmoved. He would not listen to her, please. He would not listen to her tears. He said, The young man that you love will die with the ringing of curfew. That evening, the old Saxon, very deaf, um, went up to ring the curfew bell in a church. Unbeknown to him, the girl who loved the young man had climbed up into the bell, inside the bell, and she held on to the clapper with both of her hands so that every time the old Saxon pulled on the bell, thinking it was ringing loud and clear, her body was slamming against the different sides of the bell. And the bell did not strike a note. When the Saxon finished what he thought was the ringing of curfew, the girl made her way down from inside the bell, her, ba- her body battered, bloodied, and horribly bruised. And she was limping down the hill when Cromwell was coming up to find out why curfew wasn't rung. And suddenly he saw her. And looking her right in the eye, he responded, Curfew will not ring tonight. Her words had not moved him. Her tears had not moved him. Her pleas had not moved him. Her arguments had not moved him. But her love, he understood. Curfew will not ring tonight. Isn't that a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for each of us? The dilemma of the justification stage is that people get caught in it. They receive forgiveness, and they go away, and they go right back to the same old sin without realizing that they have power to say no to sin, that a part of Jesus' redeeming power is designed to set us free. We saw it this morning in the baptismal tank. Going down into the water is dying with Jesus. Being under the water is being buried with Jesus. Coming up out of the water is being resurrected with Jesus. And the old sin nature stays buried and dead in the tank. But the truth is, now hear me, you've got to choose to use your voice. You got to say no to sin. You got to say no to temptation. You got to say, no, I'm not going there. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I've been set free by the power of the cross and the resurrection of my Lord, Savior, and King, Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, we looked at this, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, this marvelous expression the power of grace verse 11 says either even so consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus I'm going to read I don't have this for you on the board but I'm going to read through to verse 14 therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin As instruments of unrighteousness, present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin shall not master over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Now, the language here is so strong, okay? I want to try to unmask that just slightly for you. The word instrument. It's the word that's normally used for instruments of worship. Do you realize It's a sobering text, but do you realize that when you choose to sin, you, in a sense, are offering worship to Satan? Yeah. Don't go there. I got the perfect word for you. No. <laughs> no, you can say no. Because that thing is dead. Dead. The first stage is the called stage. The second stage is the justified stage. And there's a third stage from our text. It's called the glorified stage. The glorified stage. Now, most of us would kind of expect this to say, and will glorify you. Future tense, you know. I mean, you went through the called stage and your justified stage and you'll go through the glory stage. But guess what? All three verbs here are in the present tense. In the present tense. This isn't future. This is for us now. It is to take place on earth while we are here in these physical bodies. I know there's a future glory for us in heaven that goes way beyond that. But understand, there's a glory for us now. Once we've been called, once we've been justified, forgiven, we move on to a state of being sanctified. Do you know what being sanctified means? It means to be made holy. To be made holy. What does holy look like? What does holy look like? Go over, or I'm going to put it up for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I love this. This is from the new covenant. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. But we all with unveiled faces, remember, because Moses put the veil over his face, you know, so that they couldn't look at the glory. But we don't have the mask on or the veil But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Did you look in the mirror this morning? Did you look in the mirror? Did you see it? I hope so. Because you're looking at glory. You're looking at glory are being transformed into th- the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. From glory to glory there's a transformation taking place, the word transformation is metamorphi in Greek. It, 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 we get our English word metamorphosis from it. It's the process by which a caterpillar is changed into a butterfly. That, that's the word that's used. This one caterpillar was saying to the other, "Watch the butterfly go overhead," and said, "You're never going to get me up in one of those things." <laughs> I see it. I see. I see the glory. I, I see it. I, I see the glory. If Christ is in you, the Holy Spirit right now is transforming you from glory. To glory. Jesus made three promises to his disciples. He promised that they would be absurdly happy, (laughs) completely fearless, and in constant trouble. (laughs) One more text. Well, yeah, a couple more. (laughs) Uh, I thought you said there was one more. Okay, here we go. Revelation chapter 19... Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and clean, and the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Did you know that the bride is getting herself ready for the wedding feast of the wedding of the Lord. Do you know who the bride of Christ is? Who is it? That was way too weak, okay? The answer is usums. (laughs) It's we's, yeah. Who's the bride of Christ? Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on, it's you. It's me. It's us. And Jesus is not coming for a bride in curlers and a house coat. Because the bride, he doesn't have to, because the bride is making herself ready. Do you understand? This is so important. And you are making yourself beautiful, what? By your righteous acts. By the good that you do. you realize that the good that you do is helping to transform the planet yeah oh oh, a couple more verses romans chapter you gotta these are to be memorized so i'm giving you that assignment i got two more verses here okay romans chapter 12 verse 21 look at it do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good how many here know that good is more powerful than evil Come on, yeah, hallelujah. (laughs) Folks, listen, I, I know it looks, I mean, I know that it feels like it's dark out there, but the darker it is, the brighter the light of Christ shines. The brighter God's people shine. Light shines into darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Evil is not winning the day. I want you to think of something with me. You realize that one-third of the planet is a part of the church. That the population of the earth, you know, I I think, what's it, near 8 billion now? Is that what it is? I I don't want to be wrong. Well, it's too late to correct it. (laughs) But over 2.7 billion people are part of the church. One third of the plant fastest growing religion in the world is the church. The church is the largest religion in the world by far. We got a corner on the market because we're the only one that can offer the two needs, two deep needs of human beings. And one is the forgiveness of our sins, and the second is the fact that we die and you need to get raised from the dead. And we got both those answers. We got both those answers. Evil is not going to win. ISIS is not going to take over the world. Well, to be a leader in ISIS, you get to go commit suicide. It's hard to lead a movement like that. (laughs) Good overcomes evil. What would happen if the whole church really began to take this seriously? And they said, hey, we want to dress the bride. We want to get dressed for his coming. Let's do the good. What would that mean? One more verse, Proverbs chapter uh, 14, verse 19, if you, Pastor Jamie introduced this to, well, I caught it from him, so uh, Proverbs, there's 31 chapters, I, I read a chapter a day, I've been doing it for five years, I read through the book of Proverbs 12 times a year, Each month I read through the book of Proverbs. I've memorized a lot of them, uh, but i got a lot more to go. But Proverbs chapter 14, verse 19. Listen to it. The evil will bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Memorize it. That's part of our marching orders, my friends. That's part of marking out who we are. An author from my generation uh, named Keith Miller. How many of here have heard of Keith Miller? Anybody? Yeah, a few, well, just a few. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway. Keith Miller writes about an 82-year-old registered nurse who worked in a quiet and obscure community in Texas. When she retired from the hospital at age 65, she realized that she was still capable of doing so much yet. And uh, even though they forced her retirement, she started to look around and decided to ask, what needs to be done that's not being done that I could possibly do? She quickly discovered a host of old people who were bedridden and could not afford nursing care. And one of the most chronic needs was periodic eminence. And there was no one to provide this service, so she decided to take on the task. I mean, you talk about inglorious work. This makes washing feet look like child's play. Yet it needed to be done. And so she started it. When Keith Miller met her, she was 82 years old and was still going to some 80 shut ins a week providing this service. When he asked her if she ever got any public recognition for what she did, she said no, but she didn't need any. Her satisfaction came from the fact that God had given her a gift. And here was a job that needed to be done. And what really mattered was getting the gift and the need together. Listen carefully. Some of the problem of the church is that we just don't take seriously who we are. I'm going to read a text for you. Matthew, this, I don't have this for the board. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone take a light, a lamp, light a lamp and put it under a basket or a barrel or a bowl. But on the lampstand standing, it gives light to all who are In the house, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. I see the light. There's some more. There's some more. 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 Would you say this with me, okay? And, and I invite you to cover your heart. I am the light of the world. Let's say it together. I am the light of the world. That's who you are. Are you, are you getting this? We have been called to change the planet. That's why. <laughs> the mission statement of the house. Yeah. Change the planet, start at home. <laughs> Change the world. Start at home. But don't just keep it at home. I believe that the mission of spreading this gospel is not nearly as difficult as sometimes we think of it. Because sometimes it's just tripping out your front door and saying, hey, what can I do today that will make a difference in someone's life? And you go do it, and it does. Because that's the assignment, folks. That's the assignment. when you stand to your feet? Let's, we'll, we'll close in prayer. Uh, if you would hold your hands out in front, if, if that is comfortable for you anyway. Father in heaven, we come before you, and we humble our hearts at this moment. We humble our hearts because, oh, we are so grateful for the salvation that you've given us. And and we're so grateful for the changes you have made, the transformations that you have made in our lives. And we are so thankful, Father. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But we want to be involved. We don't want to be unemployed. We want to be engaged in this thing. Taking back the planet. And I just, you know, let me just... Kind of pray through the the message as I saw it. Uh, you know, I may be speaking to some here who are just caught in the called stage. You you recognize this thing called Christianity, and you've you've uh, yeah you, you you've started into it, and and you enjoy it, and it feels good, and all those things. But but you haven't fully fully embraced it. You've never for sure opened. Yes, this could be a number of people this morning. You've never for sure opened the door of your heart. You're like me. You never had o- You knew all about it, but you hadn't opened the door of your heart and invited Jesus in to be your Lord, Savior, and King. And uh, I-, I don't want to miss anybody in this. And so we just are all going to, I'm going to ask all of you to pray out loud this morning as we go through this. Pray this out loud. I'll give you the words. Dear Lord Jesus, say it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I open the door of my life to you, the door of my heart. I invite you into my heart and my life I receive from you Jesus the gift of the forgiveness of my sins and I receive the gift of heaven of living with you forever affirmed by your resurrection from the dead and I am fully embracing you as my Lord Savior and King And I'm asking you to empower me, that I may be a part of your bride, getting more beautiful for you by the use of my task for good. Thank you, Father. If you pray that prayer, Jesus Christ, he he, he said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. And if you open that door, he came in right now but I could easily be speaking to some folks who are stuck in the justified stage and it's kind of like it feels almost like you're on a treadmill and keeps coming around and and you're saying what's wrong and part of what's wrong is is you've not you've not taken fully hold of the fact that your sin nature is dead and you don't need to listen to it and uh yeah and so right now, just if, if that's you in any kind of way, shape, or form, if you find yourself tripping back to a sin that you, you thought you had overcome this a long time ago, and here it is yet, and, and, and right now, Jesus Christ is saying clearly to you, look, we have crucified that. I want you to consider yourself reckon yourself dead to it, or it dead to you. And it no longer has a right or authority to rule your life. And so you are saying no right now. This is a no. You're not going to get me. I belong to Jesus Christ and I will not pay false worship to the enemy. I receive your forgiveness fully and I also receive the power to overcome. Thank you, Jesus. I want to live in light of your resurrected power working in me. And I, I know I'm speaking to an awful lot of people. I can see the shiny faces out there where glory is shining on you. And, and you've adopted this role, and you're, yeah, you're, you're starting at home, but you're changing the world, and, and you recognize that every place you go, there's good to do, and... If that's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of you in the room that are, that are there. But if you're not there or if you need to move into that step, I, I just invite you to it. The glory of the Lord is shining brightly. Step into it now. You are the light of the world. Receive it. And right now, just say, Jesus, say it with me. Jesus, I am going to follow you. I'm going to hear your voice, and I'm going to look for ways to spread your love and do good that my light will shine with the brightness of your transformation as you continue to transform me from glory to greater glory. And if you believe that, you said, hallelujah. Hallelujah I get to do one more thing. I, my, my son is so good at this. I, 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 yeah, anyway, I can still do it though. okay And that's just to bless you as you go, okay? So look up, okay and receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In your leisure and your labor, you're coming and you're going today and all week long. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen.